0: Hello and welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the ideas, events and policies that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard and I am Director of ECFR and today I'm going to be talking about the EU-Turkey one-in-one-out deal over the Syrian refugee crisis that was outlined earlier this week. We're going to do this discussion in two parts. First, I will talk to Asla Aydin-Tashbash, ECFR's visiting fellow in Istanbul, who's a very distinguished Turkish journalist as well. And secondly, to Mati Atowaldo, who is a senior policy fellow at ECFR, an expert on Libya and on migration. The second part, we will talk to ECFR's board member, Norbert Rutgen, who is a German MP and Chair of the Foreign Affairs Committee in the German Parliament, a leading member of the governing CDU party, about some of the drivers behind the deal in Germany and how he sees this affecting Merkel's standing within the European Union. So, this week, European leaders reached the outlines for a possible deal with Turkey to return thousands of refugees. Turkey's Prime Minister Ahmet Davutoglu outlined the proposals on Tuesday morning, and they include the resettlement of one Syrian refugee in Europe for every Syrian return to Turkey from the Greek island. We'll talk about this in more detail in a second, but maybe I can turn to you first, Mattia, to tell us exactly what happened.
1: Uh, we went into the summit uh, with uh, task writing a letter outlining what the goals of the summit were, and basically they would be to Uh, closing on a return uh, program uh, for refugees arriving in Greece who would be returned to Greece, uh, to Turkey. Uh, Then there would be money for Turkey and also money for Greece uh, to manage the situation. And finally, uh, there would be visa liberalization. The Turkish government came to the table with bold proposals, which included more money, uh, uh, speeding up, the implementation of the visa liberalization and a resettlement program which would basically uh, include the one-to-one ratio uh, that you were mentioning by which for every uh, refugee returned to Turkey from Greece there would be one refugee uh, basically flown from Turkey to Europe. Uh, These were significant additions uh, because they changed basically the initial plan and now we have a solution which includes Uh, the one-to-one ratio between resettlement uh, and uh, returns, uh, which includes uh, speeding up visa liberalization for Turkey and implementing that from June, and uh, the the, the money available for Turkey is now double the amount that we included. This was the result of very tough negotiations in which uh, Merkel basically pushed the resettlement component almost against uh, all the other 20 uh, seven countries. Asla, why did the Turks suggest this, this idea?
2: Well, um, it is, a, in my view, it's a smart proposal in some ways because um, I've heard people in Europe say that it does not motivate Turkey to uh, stop the flow, but I actually happen to disagree the more important aspect of it, it motivates Syrians to stay in Turkey, to register with the hope that they can have access to uh, Europe at some point. The idea is, well, for domestic reasons, of course, You know, Turkey already has uh, de- declared that they're going to basically accept everybody that's sent back, so they have to find a way of telling Turkish idea that, you know, Turkey will not just be a refugee buffer zone, a large mega uh, refugee camp. But I think that there is also uh, the fact that this could motivate Syrians to stay in Turkey to register. Once readmission starts working, in other words, once we start seeing people sent back, the idea is uh, once people start being sent back to Turkey, and we can talk about the ethics or the or the me- mechanism for that. But the, the logic of the whole deal is, once people start being sent back from Greek islands back to Turkey, eventually they'll get the word that this is no way to go. They'll not only get the word in terms of the refugees living in Turkey, but also back home in Afghanistan and Iraq and Pakistan and Ethiopia and whatnot, that this route is essentially closed. There is a lot of wishful thinking. Uh, that's integral in the deal. But on paper, the logic of it is uh, is there. I think that one-in-one-out policy uh, is not going to be uh, met with an opposition from the domestic Turkish audience. And I do think that the government here will live up to its promises. For one big reason, well, for one big political reason, and that's got nothing to do with refugees. Don't forget that the larger context is a Turkey that's feeling very much out there in the cold all alone, having essentially uh, seen its Syria policy basically collapse, not not happy about what's going on, the, the sort of political process there, not happy about the Kurdish situation domestically and on its Syrian borders, having a total escalation with Russians. Uh, seeing that its dreams of leadership in the Middle East have essentially collapsed because the Middle East has collapsed, and having a very up-and-down relationship with uh, sort of both United States and the, West, and the West in general. So this is a Turkey that is reaching out, trying to reach out and consolidate, basically, its previous relationships with Europe and uh, its alliances with the West. So I think that, you know it's not just a 3 billion uh for refugees deal i think it's uh 3 billion for legitimacy deal in many ways for this government in, here in turkey don't forget that this is a government that hasn't had a single positive article written about it in international media that's being criticized for its uh, domestic conduct and uh, debates about free speech etc so all in all if you look at the larger picture What I hear in Europe all the time is, oh, we need Turkey so desperately. But here, when you look at things from Istanbul or Ankara, Turkey needs Europe a lot. Turkey does need Europe as well. So I think that uh, that leads me to think that if logistics are possible, if law enforcement was uh, to allow it, there would be an effort on the Turkish side to deliver on this. But I I hope we can talk about the problems and the... Uh, the, the sort of potential sticking points as well.
0: So, Mathieu, you I mean, if uh, Asma's right, there is, uh, we're tr- Europe and Turkey are kind of bound together by their mutual desperation about their
3: geopolitical situation.
1: But can this actually work? Well, there are political problems and legal problems. The political problem is that The part of the agreement on resettlement was approved somewhat grudgingly by almost any uh, EU member state except for Germany and the Netherlands. So uh, it's hard to see how it will get through uh, at the formal summit uh, next week, uh, and it's hard to see which countries will accept uh, the resettled refugees. Uh, So a lot will depend on how Merkel Uh, sits in Berlin after the uh, state elections this weekend. Uh, On the other hand, there are legal problems, uh, because returning people to a country legally means having a process, and a process like this has never been tried with these numbers. Uh, Good countries manage to return one-third of the refugees or the migrants that do not qualify for refugee status. Uh, So now the goal is to return 100%. That would be a first uh, in world history. Um, There are legal contestations. uh, There are practical uh, problems because uh, it's unclear whether Greece has the capacity to manage this whole system. And in the meantime, uh, there is a humanitarian crisis building up on the border with Macedonia. And my impression is that Uh, For some in the EU, uh, this is for sure not welcome, but this is not bad, because it's part of the signaling we're sending to uh, refugees, that the the Balkan route is closed, and look what happens if you try it. You end up in a refugee camp uh, in the middle of nowhere, with no chances of moving on. The problem is, will Greece accept to uh, become, in a way, the warehouse of souls, as its prime minister has said? I'm not sure.
0: On the legal side, can we go, because that is something which there has been quite a lot of um, uh, speculation on in the media, but there there seems to be questions about whether it is possible for the European Union to treat Turkey as a safe country and to send refugees back. Do you want to explain that in a bit more detail?
1: Yeah, basically, the, the concept of a safe third country was not part of the Geneva Convention, but it's part of international customary law, for instance, Norway has declared Russia a safe third country, and therefore all the Syrians who cycled uh, into Norway last summer were returned to Russia. Uh, Basically it says that if a refugee uh, arrives in country A, uh, passing through country B, which is a safe country, then he should be returned to country B. Now according to European law, there are two different kinds of uh, safe third countries. Based on how much they implement uh, international norms, Turkey would probably qualify for the lower level of safe third countries, which would mean that every refugee would have to go th- through a process in which he would be able to appeal to a decision to be returned to Turkey. This means that with the numbers I was describing before, you would need to have uh, a fair administrative process, if not a proper trial, for each refugee with the put- Possibility of appealing the decision, uh, and that means a huge bureaucratic process, Uh, and that's where my uh, feasibility uh, doubts come in. Sure. And what about the ethics, Ashley? You mentioned that before. It does seem
0: pretty uh, dehumanising. The idea that you're just shipping back one for one. um, You know, these people who have gone to incredible lengths to to reach. Um, Europe. I mean, we are just reducing people to numbers.
2: Well, of course, and both uh, organizations like Human Rights Watch and even United Nations and uh, a number Amnesty International have come out and criticised the the deal precisely on those grounds. And don't forget, I mean, this whole business of shipping people back does not just happen uh, by by the custom officers telling people to go back. There's also a significant amount of law enforcement involved. We now have NATO ships uh, patrolling the Aegean, but there is going to have to be uh, police officers and gendarmerie or coast guard, or you name it, on both sides of the Aegean, essentially forcing people back. So I think that Europeans uh, feel, uh, you know, we don't want the refugees, we want higher walls, but are they ready for images of refugees being gassed and sent back, forcibly sent back in some places. And, uh, that is a question of course, of both from an ethical perspective but from the perspective of public opinion. I'm also concerned about another aspect of this which is in terms of the law enforcement I mean, anybody who knows the Aegean coast knows that it's very very difficult to entirely uh, control the coast uh, because it's a very delicate and meandering coast but I think that don't forget that Turkey is really spread out then in terms of its uh, policing capability, policing and intelligence capabilities, uh, fighting a two-pronged war, both against the PKK, the Kurdish uh, group here, and, the, and against ISIS. And so much of the concentration now is in e- either eastern Turkey, where there's a there's an insurgency going on, or in the, on the Syrian border. So yes, this is important, but the expectations of Turkey... Turks cutting down smuggler networks and refugee networks would require basically an army to to guard the Aegean, and I'm not sure that that's going to be quite possible within the current climate in Turkey. The other issue that's very important is the way the government uh, had to sell this to Turkish public is visa-free travel. We're going to get visa fee travel as early as October. That was the headline in most papers as, sorry as early as June in fact the date has been moved up and so that a lot of people feel that's not really realistic so come June both sides would have uh, reasons enough to bail out the deal is good on paper and in theory but allowing many exits and exemptions for both sides and in an atmosphere there's a, where there is not that much trust this could be problematic. Uh,
0: Isn't that one of the things that um, make people particularly nervous? Because I, I was just in uh, uh, a European capital uh, over the last few days and met um, with uh, the foreign minister, and um, they were worried that we basically given... The turks a kind of weapon uh which they can point at the eu and they can pull the trigger whenever they like that's the, the sort of language that was being used um that, do you think that's a fair characterization
2: i do think that's a fair cra- characterization but turkey will have to take something back and the government will have to take something back in return and they're good negotiators uh clearly they are negotiating uh from a maximalist position what concerns me is that turkish public this idea of visa free travel is so pumped up here that there will be disappointment and essentially anti-european feelings if come june we do not have that i think yes the deal is not just vulnerable is is also vulnerable to turkey's domestic calculations and concerns as well in other words it could come a time when it's expedient for turkish politicians to declare europeans have not fulfilled their promises so we're uh, getting out of this deal, it is vulnerable on many accounts. And also don't forget there's a disparity between the kind of uh, relationship and trust that is between Davutoglu and TASC or Davutoglu and Junker and essentially Davutoglu and the commission and the public opinion, both in Turkey and in Europe.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Mattia, do you want to talk a bit about the, how the deal goes? raised, right, because it, it
1: didn't, wasn't a
0: great time for EU institutions, was it, the, the, um, the first part of the, the council meeting?
1: Indeed, there, there was a division between the so-called Plan A, which is basically what was approved, and Plan B, which had already been implemented by a convergence between Austria and a number of Balkan countries. And Plan B was basically pulling up the, the drawbridge and closing the Balkan route. Uh, And at the same time, throwing some money at Greece to deal with the uh, bulk of refugees that would accumulate uh, on its borders with Macedonia. Uh, Then came Merkel and came the Turks with their requests, and the deal and the the plan B shifted gradually towards plan A, and therefore an exchange between resettlement um, and returns. Uh, Although I think there will be uh, problems in implementation also on the European side. Uh, And I agree very much on Asli with the problems on the Turkish side. On the European side, I think all these expectations that have been built in Turkey on visa liberalization, I'm not sure, uh, A, that uh, Europe is going to lift all the procedural problems by June. I've heard that there are 70 (laughs) different um, requirements that are needed.
2: 72, I think, or 74, over 70, yeah.
1: 72 benchmarks that need to be met uh, by June, which would be quite an accomplishment. Uh, And then there is a political problem. Uh, We know that France is completely opposed to uh, visa-liberalization. I'm not sure whether Hollande is going to go for that uh, in the year before elections. Uh, On the other hand, as you said, there is an ethical problem. Uh, Now, uh, European public opinion has shifted a lot from last summer, and I'm not sure it would be too sensible towards images of refugees being asked. We have seen those images, and they haven't really lifted any, um, you know, they haven't really stirred any reaction in European public opinion, but we don't know how this could play out if it goes on on a massive uh, scale. Also, I think a big question mark is what Greece will do in all of this, uh, because basically uh, Greece, in a way, becomes the, the Jordan of Europe, a big refugee camp with, yes, some Western assistance, but not much and not uh, capable of overcoming the big uh, structural problems that Greece has in dealing with this whole issue. Just bear in mind that Greece has only recently created a ministry in charge of migration control. Uh, It has very weak structures and generally is in a very uh, dire state. Uh, So I think that the, the big problem here is that because of pressures from European public opinion which doesn't want any more refugees on its soil European leaders have been in a way uh, forced to approve a plan which is quite hard to implement uh, because it doesn't create an orderly flow of people, it simply pretends to pull up the drawbridge uh, and this is unlikely to work So the, the talks um, at the council
0: we're going to continue on this what what happens next in terms of
1: uh, this deal uh, so the provided the deal uh, as we read it from the final statement uh, is approved on the 17th and the 18th on which I have my doubts uh, then there will be the implementation phase which as asley was mentioning is going to be quite challenging on the visa liberalisation issue uh, it is arguable that both Greece and Turkey will have to implement domestic legislation, which would allow uh, for the return uh, of migrants. Uh, Then they will have to set up the resettlement mechanism. And I'm not sure uh, many EU member states will raise their hand um, for uh, resettling refugees. So there are going to be some very serious uh, political and practical challenges in a situation where we have 3,000 people coming in today uh, when weather conditions are not perfect, and this figure might well go up significantly in April, May, and June. And then we come June, and uh, all those Turkish expectations that Asli was mentioning uh, might uh, push the, the Turkish government into saying, you know what, the deal has not been implemented on the other side, so we stop implementing on that side. And in that situation, we are in the summer, and we have a new refugee crisis on top uh, of the British referendum.
0: Okay, thank you very much. Um, So, uh, yeah, so that's great. So what we'll do is we'll... So um,
2: there is... uh, So, Mathieu, can we safely say that there's no way the speed of readmission or resettlement can match the speed of refugee flow?
1: Yes. I think the problem is... Uh, the best, uh, best case scenario is one in which you can manage to have part of the flow through this mechanism, but you will still have some illegal flows. I think, you know, that, as you were saying, the Aegean coast uh, is, uh, is so, it's made in a way that it doesn't allow for 100% control. Uh, yeah. They could take other routes. Uh, Bulgaria, even though it has a wall, it has received 30,000 people. Uh, In 2015. It's not even a Schengen country. Uh, So that shows you that with the current numbers, you can build up all the uh, guarantees you want, but you will not control the problem.
0: So it's with great pleasure that we now talk to one of ECFR's board members, Norbert Röttgen, who is a former minister for Energy and the Environment, a leading uh, member of the governing CDU uh, Christian Democratic Union Party who is also chairman of the Foreign Affairs Committee in Berlin. So, Norbert, we've heard from
3: Asler and Mattia about what happened in Brussels. Um, How does it look from Berlin, the the Turkey deal, and what does it mean for the future of the German response to the migration crisis?
4: There is still a debate going on in Germany. And uh, on the one side, we see in general in Germany, a great geostrategic potential in EU-Turkey relationships, and rightly we do so. I would say we have neglected uh, the relationship in the last years. On the other hand, we need not only Turkey for a contribution to resolve the crisis. On the other side, my personal view, which is shared by many others, is that uh, Turkey cannot... Uh, and must not replace a European solution for a European challenge. If we would agree on Turkey to do European homework, we would in a way uh, really get in a dependence from, uh, from Turkey, and there should be no doubt that President Erdogan will make use of a dependent uh, European Union, as we now have already seen, and so we must be aware of that.
3: And how do you think that, the uh, talking about this idea of of getting Europeans to work together, I mean, in a way, the whole way that that summit meeting worked was a kind of reductio ad absurdum of the the last few months, where the EU institutions' plans were literally just thrown out, and there seemed to be very
4: little... Yeah. Yeah. What we have have seen, uh, basically, is the result how it comes when Europe does not function. There is no European unity on an essential question, the refugee crisis. And uh, if, if we have this void and lack of European action and solidarity and unity, uh, then we see others coming in, uh, exploiting uh, the weakness of Europe. And this is not a way Europe will regain strength and action, and this has become entirely clear uh, through, uh, through the result and m- more through the circumstances of, of the last summit in Brussels.
3: And what do you think the lessons which uh, different capitals took away from from the summit meeting? Because already,
4: who, who, who did it in, take away the, 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 the Europeans? Or who?
3: yeah, well, like for example, if you think about the different camps in Europe, you know, whether yeah. it's Angela Merkel yeah. or. Uh, the Visegrad countries and Donald Tusk, what, what lessons do you think they all took away from, from the mess in, in Brussels?
4: I, I I feel that they did not take away the lesson that uh, European disunity leads to dependency from others. But uh, I, I'm afraid that the different camps and shame enough that we have now to speak about camps within Europe uh, uh, thought uh, uh, on on all the sides uh, that they uh, uh, seem to be confirmed that their approach is right. Those who closed the Balkan route said, we have done the main work. Uh, Angela Merkel, who said uh, Turkey is crucial, uh, uh, seems to be assured that this is the right way. And and so uh, it has not brought the Europeans together. And no, and there is no common lesson on what has happened.
3: That's definitely true. But I suppose some people are seeing what happened. If you wanted to look at it for a positive prism that this, in a way, is a synthesis between the idea of closing the Balkan route and the idea of relying on readmissions, uh, and that one might be able to to find some way of, of building them uh, together. But there is also, you, you think that that's, um, that's an illusion? I think that this
4: is not going to happen. I, I, I can't see that those who, who say we do not agree, fundamentally not, uh, on, on any scheme of relocation of refugees uh, in Europe, uh, uh, distribute refugees uh, from a contin- contingent which is taken in from Turkey, I, I can't see uh, up to now that uh, there, uh, has, that those who oppose such an approach have changed uh, their mind and that we will see a broader consensus on distribution and relocation of refugees. I, I doubt it.
3: And what about um, the way to do that? I mean, how does one get from this horrible place that we're in into a situation where you could start to see more of a a common European frame in terms of how people think about both the the problems but also what contributions the different member states can make. Uh,
4: I'm I'm skeptical that we, as long as we focus on this one issue as a dividing issue, that we will find uh, a compromise uh, which consists of solidarity. My view is that we have to to uh, to organize uh, a bigger compromise, a comprehensive compromise, which uh, comprises also the at least two other dividing issues, which is the economy and austerity, and on the other side, the relations to Russia, sanctions, energy policy related, and, and prominently the Nord Stream 2 um, project. Uh, I think we have to to bring all these issues together to organize, a give and take. And uh, unless we do that, uh, I can't see a prospect for a solution of any of these dividing issues.
3: And do you think that, because again, the way you phrase it now does put Germany right in the center of it, because if Germany were to, to kind of change Nord Stream 2 or to, to, to affect the terms in order to get Poland um, and some of the, the Eastern Europeans on board. And if uh, if we were to look at easing some of the austerity for Greece and for other countries that are affected by the refugee crisis, this is very much uh, 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 a, a, a German um, deal if it's going to be made. Do you, do you think that there is any desire in the Chancellery or in the upper echelons of, of German politics to, to contemplate Something like that, and
4: no, indeed, I have. I think the, pref- the, the clear preference is to to uh, to replace a European solution, which would require comprehensive compromise, uh, which would require to bring in particularly France into a common approach with yeah. regard to refugees, and if uh, as long as this is not going to happen we will not see a european solution on the refugees and unless there is no uh, no compromise on the economic area in the economic area we will not see this refugee compromise so the 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 consequence uh, of that is not to to launch a comprehensive compromise but to to seek uh, the, the 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 turkey the turkish solution for this european problem
3: so you this think is, that so the European solution can only come if the turkey route uh, doesn't seem to be delivering
4: if if Turkey were not to deliver on an agreement which is still and yet to be uh, found, then it would uh, retable the question and uh, and and cause and trigger a new German approach. Uh, to, uh, to, to find a European response to that, yes. Great.
3: So that's a, that's a, a kind of medi- mid- to long-term uh, question. And I, I completely agree with your idea that we can only get a European solution if we put more things on the table and, and find ways of trading off between them. Um, what about the very short-term consequences of, of what's happened? How was the, the deal or the, the, the outlines of the deal... Uh, written up in, and seen by the different parties in Germany. Is it going to have any effect on the elections in the three states which are shortly going to be um, having their elections in, across Germany?
4: I, 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 there is uh, in, 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 in uh, the consequence of closing the Balkan route has, uh, has, has been so far that the, inca- the, the influx of refugees has nearly cease to be, uh, and this has uh, what I see in my office, for example, that that I for days now I do not have any more letters or mails on the refugee issue, and before that I had uh, I had a, a, a dozen uh, dozens of them a week. So this has right. has uh, has uh, has, uh, has, uh, has an impact on the on the domestic situation. I don't think that it has. Uh, already an impact on the, on the Sunday's election, um, but, but in, the, in the short term, uh, this uh, closing of borders has uh, triggered a human, humanitarian disaster at the Greek-Macedonian border, uh, on the one side, and on the other side, of course, it has stopped the influx.
0: So that brings our discussions uh, to an end. You can find links to all our latest articles on the migration crisis and our Cohesion Monitor on our website at ecfr.eu slash podcasts. We'll be back next week with a new podcast. But in the meantime, from Norbert Rutgen, Asla Aydin Tashbash, Mattia Toaldo, and myself, Mark Leonard, it's goodbye for now.